the Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. Dear Diary, I can only hope that some sympathetic eyes will one day read these words and believe that they were written in all truth and honesty. I know that the events which I am about to relate will brand me as a madwoman, but they are true facts, and I shall state them exactly as they happened. My name is Millicent Weir. I am, I was, a schoolteacher at a small country school at a village called Faust, near the Saranac Lakes of the Adirondacks in Upper New York State. In the year 1925, I became engaged to Eric Miller, whose family had lived in Faust. It was a Sunday in August when it happened. Eric and I had gone on one of our walks in the high meadows. Come on, Billy. Don't hang back. I'm trying to keep up, but but you climb too fast. Well, hurry or you'll miss the view. There's a great wall of fog rolling up the valley. Come on, Bill. Eric, wait for me. I'll be there in a minute. But Eric stepped off the path as it rose to the ridge and declined down the other side. I could see the fog bank now. It was rolling up from the other side, blotting out the sun. I called out to Eric again just as I reached the top. But there was no answer. And there was a strange, frightening silence. I reached the spot where I'd last seen Eric, and he was gone. Eric! Eric, please don't hide from me! But there was no reply... And suddenly the fog lifted, and the sun came out again. It was just as before. And there, on each side of the crest where I stood, I I could look down on the grassy slopes for hundreds of feet. But but now I was alone, completely alone. Eric had, had disappeared. Yes, disappeared. Events set down long ago in a diary. Age turns the pages yellow and brittle and fades the ink to a pastel gray. And yet, in the tense, sharply formed handwriting, we can sense the desperation of the writer, imploring future readers to accept the tale she's written. Well, the story so far is strange indeed, but what is to follow does sound, just as she admitted, like the ravings of a madwoman. Are we to dismiss it as such? Or is there a darker portent than we imagine in the narrative of Millicent Weir? I'll be back with the rest of tonight's tale of suspense as Crisis brings you a story titled The League of the Lost. A sunny afternoon in the high country of Upper New York State. A couple in love, climbing together along a trail leading to a ridge. Suddenly, a wall of fog forms. The young man is enveloped in it, and when the fog lifts, he's gone. That is the story told in the diary of Millicent Weir. Monday. The villagers formed a search party and spent the day combing high meadows. At sundown, the Franklin County Sheriff and his men returned to the village. I knew what they would say. I'm sorry, Miss Weir. No sign of him. Of course, he might have fallen in the lake. Oh, no, that's impossible. He couldn't have. The lake was half a mile from where I saw him when the fog came. That's the best I could think of. Two years ago, Caney Bloomgardner disappeared right near the same place. Ever hear that? 
Yes. I've heard talk. Hmm. Never did find a trace of him. Sheriff, will you look tomorrow? Well. well he couldn't have just vanished. Uh, <clears throat> Miss Weir. There was no place he could go. It was just a grassy hillside. Ma'am. Yes? Uh, this, this Miller fellow was your fiancé, you said? Yes. Uh, the thought strikes me, you know, a man could run pretty fast downhill from that ridge. Maybe make it to the grove of trees down by the lake before you'd have got to where you could see that far. Run? Why would he run? You mean run away. Well. You mean he could have chosen to run and hide and pretend to be gone? To break our engagement? Now, mind you, I'm not saying Oh, that... but you are saying, Sheriff. You are saying. You're saying, Miss Weir, you are not a beautiful girl. You're not even a young girl. You're a spinster school, Marm, and Eric Miller might have chosen to run away from you. Isn't that what you're saying, Sheriff? It just seemed like one of the possibilities, Miss Weir. No offense. Oh, no, Sheriff. No offense. After that, I could feel the eyes of the village on me, laughing at me. That they shared some secret with Eric that everyone knew but me. The long days of summer kept me prisoner in my rented room in Daly's rooming house. Oh, I prayed for September in the busy schoolroom. At night, I prayed that Eric would come back. That he would come back and explain and beg my forgiveness. And I dreamed of the fog that took him away from me. What? Oh, who, who is it? Just a minute. Who? Oh. We've met before, Miss Weir. I'm Mrs. Truax, remember? From Harrick's parents' home. His housekeeper. That's right. Oh, come in. Do come in. You've heard from him. That's it, isn't it? No, Miss Weir. You haven't? No. Oh. I... I do so much dreaming. I... I scarcely know which is real and which is... Sit down, please. I can't stay. I'd offer you some tea, but I'm... I haven't any. You're thinner than you were. Oh, I eat. (laughs) That won't bring you back. Oh, no, no, of course not. I'm sorry for you, Miss Weir. Thank you. It being that Eric's parents are both dead, it seemed to me he'd want you to have something of his. So I brought you this. His watch? It's quite valuable. Family heirloom. He never carried it except when he was dressing up. Take it. Then you think... You think he's not coming back? He won't be back. But he... How could he have died? Where? What could have taken his life? It was just the fog. And in two minutes, I was right where he'd been standing. I there didn't is... say he's dead. What? Miss Weir, I don't know where he is. But he's not the first to vanish up here, you know. I don't understand... You say he's alive? I didn't say that, either. Well, then what did you come here to say? Do you want to be with him? Are you trying to drive me crazy? I love Eric. If I thought he was alive and and wanted to be with me... Why are you doing this to me? What do you know? Oh, have mercy on me, Mrs. Truax. I'll be going now. (laughs) 
She slipped out the door and left me with her words ringing in my ears. Do you want to be with him? I spent the night pacing my tiny room, clutching Eric's pocket watch and talking to it as if it were Eric returned. The morning came. The other boarders clumped downstairs for breakfast, but the smell of the cooking turned my stomach. I threw myself under my bed and pressed the watch to my cheek. I thought I had just fallen asleep at last when... Just a minute. Mrs. Truax. Still not dressed? (laughs) It's 11 o'clock. I I don't understand. Get some clothes on, Miss Weir, and a cape. We're due for a storm this afternoon. But where do you want me to go? I'll be taking you to a man who wants to see you. Eric, you're taking me to Eric. Not I, Miss Weir. I'll not take you to Eric. But I'm taking you to a man who may help you, if you help him. I'll wait in the front hall. Don't be long. I flew into my clothes and struggled just long enough with my hair to look presentable. And then I stepped into the street with Mrs. Truax, just as the first thunder rolled in. She had no car. We hurried beneath her big black umbrella through the village. When we'd gone half a mile above Faust on the main road, we turned off down a lane. At the end of it stood a low cottage. It was hidden by rank overgrowth. Vines were knotted in mats on the walls. Sour pungence rose from the vegetation all around. My heart was choking as she propelled me to the door and knocked ponderously three times. Almost instantly, the door opened a few inches, and looking down on me was a black-bearded giant of a man. He had flashing dark eyes that darted questioningly to Mrs. Truax. Here she is, Doctor. She's the one. She's the one. Come here. I, I uh, do as he says, child. Go on. You're waiting for an introduction, are you? Well, Miss Weir, may I present Dr. Stone? He doesn't see many people, but he's asked for you. But but you said you'd take me to to someone who'd help me find Eric. Get her inside. Go on, girl. Mrs. Truax, aren't you coming in? Not I. (laughs) Not I. I've done my part. Mrs. Truax, wait! We don't need her around, young lady. Now, Now, look here, doctor. I came here because Mrs. Truax said... She said you might know something about... about how to find Eric. Mm. Well, she was wrong. It's you that know something. I? Perhaps. With what I think, and what you know, together, my girl, we just might make history this day. Now get inside. of Dr. Stone's cottage was chaos. Books overflowed their cases and were scattered everywhere. Rolls of parchment were tacked on walls. And there appeared to be a number of incomplete electrical experiments in the making along one wall. And in an adjoining chamber, which, which might have been a bedroom. With a careless sweep of his hand, he cleared a space for me to sit on a Davenport stack with papers. He pulled up a stool and sat facing me, stroking his beard. You afraid, girl? I... I don't know. You're a school teacher. Yes. Mm-hmm. Doctor, if there is any you way... You vanished that... last Sunday? Yes. What time? I don't know. It was about... Precisely what time? Precisely? 
I don't know precisely. I only... Die. Well, one doesn't think of the time when... One thinks of everything, and one hopes to solve mysteries like this. Look, why are you angry with me? Because you were present at a priceless moment. And your sentiment has blinded your intellect. Now, if you don't know precisely when he vanished, pray tell me, was it between noon and midnight? What do you want of me? Facts, young woman, facts! Why? Why? To add to man's minuscule knowledge about the unseen world. <laughs> the old never mind. Miss Weir, may I ask you to reflect upon last Sunday's occurrence and try to summon to your recollection an approximate time in which you last saw young Miller. Well, it was... It was probably around 4.30. Ah, could have been a few minutes later than 4.30, possibly. Time does have a way of speeding, I am told, when one is absorbed with a companion who is agreeable. Yes, it might have been later than that. Doctor, you've been asking all the questions. Now, may I ask a few of my own? A few? Yes, quickly. What kind of a doctor are you? I mean... I am what? not licensed to remove your pancreas or pull your teeth or treat your sick heifer. What does this mare's nest suggest to you? I am a scientist. Oh, did I ask your credentials? No, I only did... Young lady, if what the town gossip says is correct, you have stumbled into a rare situation which may supply me with a missing piece in a, in a puzzle that has been baffling mankind for centuries. Now, one more question, and then you and I are off to the scene of your Miller's departure. You mean we're going yes. up to... Yes, now tell me. Can you place precisely where Miller disappears in the fog? Yes. You can? Unequivocally? Yes. And come on. Where? Come on. We haven't a moment to lose. I'll tell you what I can as we climb. we can stop. How far are we from the spot? Not far. Oh, thank you for your detailed reply. Are we more than ten minutes climb away? I, I don't think so. No. No, we're not. We're, we're seven and a half minutes away. <laughs> Dr. Stone, please, tell me what your theory is. Is there any chance we'll find Eric? All right. All right. In a nutshell... My theory is as follows. I believe there is one common explanation for the tens of thousands of unexplained disappearances that have taken place all over the world each year. I believe these disappearances are accidental, unplanned, but not at all random. But that... that doesn't make sense. These are advanced times, Miss Weir. Surely you instruct your students in the possible existence of a fourth dimension. A fourth dimension? A realm of existence that may be parallel to our visible world, existing just out of range of our senses. 
No. No, I don't teach that. I, I never heard of it. Well, let us postulate that there is such a realm. If there is, it should duplicate our familiar old world, only in a different electrical vibration. No, you've got me completely lost. Oh, come on, Miss Weir. Let's continue. If there is a fourth dimension, it might touch our world at some point in time and space. Oh? You think Eric might be in this fourth dimension? I am here in the Adirondacks, Miss Weir, to pursue the study of several unexplained disappearances which seem to have occurred in the same general place on several different occasions. You mean... You mean like that, sir? That Mr. Bloomgarden? Exactly. And Murphy before him. The child named Wilkerson before that and so forth. All the way up this mountain path. None return. No remains were ever found, but each of them were alone at the time of disappearance. But Herrick Miller was not. Oh, I see. You appreciate the importance of your evidence, Miss Weir. But can he come back? If that's where he is? Is he alive? I mean, well... All speculation, my dear lady. A leaning tower of hypotheses which may crash into dust at any moment. Well, then... Well, then what can we prove by going up here? And, and what's the hurry? The evidence of the past disappearances suggests a predictable cycle, if, if my math is correct. The hidden door to that invisible realm will open again in five minutes. We shall be there to, to look through it. <laughs> Here. This is the ridge where I saw him last. What time is it, Doctor? two minutes to spare. Oh, I'm soaked. And so is my diary. You brought a diary with you. Keep it in your coat, then. No. No, I want to write this all down. Just the way it's happened. Excellent idea. You may yet have the makings of a scientist, young lady. As you write, you may jot down the basis for my theory on the timing of the arrival of our neighboring universe. You see, my calculations are correct. The two dimensions join momentarily at various points in time and space based on the movements of the planets. Whatever inhabitant of our world happens to be in the right place at the right time, be it man or beast, will be irresistibly swept up into this fourth dimension. Once into it, might not even realize the change had taken place. Of course, that's all speculation. Merely a hypothesis. Wait. It's almost time. Look, Doctor. It's coming toward us. The fog bank. Yes. It's moving toward us like a... Like a freight train. It's sweeping over us. Eric! Eric, can you hear me? Eric! 
get back home. I'm back. M- Millie? Where did, where did she go? That's funny. She was right here a second ago. I guess I shouldn't have gone on ahead of her. What? What's this? It's her diary. Now, why would she bring that along on a little Sunday hike? Millie? Millie? Millie, where where are you? And in the village of Faust, Franklin County, New York, in the year 1925, school opening was delayed for a week that September until a new teacher could be hired. And a quiet young man named Eric Miller locked a lady's diary away in a strongbox, not to be opened until his death. I'll be back with the names of tonight's players and a scene from our next Crisis production after this. The League of the Lost featured Pat French, Mark Wayne, Douglas Young, Jim Kelly, and Lee Posh and was written and directed by yours truly, Jim French. The program was produced at Audio Recording Incorporated, engineer, Carney Barton.